0: While this next episode might be called Soccer Sunday, you can enjoy it anytime, anywhere, as we cover the local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio, soccer teams. From MLS and the top of the pyramid to the Ohio Valley Premier League, if it's in Cincinnati and Dayton, it's covered on this episode of the local Sunday sports podcast. This is the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast with Lee W. Malin. A weekly audio podcast that covers everything sports in the Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio region. No faffing around, no unnecessary chatter, no focusing on that school in Columbus like other shows, just good, honest, local sports happening in Southwest Ohio, Northern Kentucky, and East Central Indiana. Be sure to bookmark SindayPod.com for ways to listen and podcast merchandise. Theme song by Kevin McLeod on FreePD.com. Here's your host, Lee W. Mallon. Hope everyone's doing well. This is the 215th episode of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. It's great to have you aboard. And actually, we're going to start, I mentioned, with the MLS teams, but that's not exactly true. We're going to start with... Mawen's mailbag it's time for Malin's mailbag the segment where you can ask questions and interact with the podcast send in your future questions on twitter at cinday pod or the LW w Mallon, on the facebook page the cincinnati and dayton sports podcast or through the flick chat app by searching the local cinday sports group Theme music is from Music Radio Creative at MusicRadioCreative.com. I forgot how old that liner was. It says the Facebook group. Uh, That doesn't exist anymore. But if you can send in your questions on Twitter at either CINDAYPOD, C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, or the Lee W. Mallon on Facebook. If you know me, you can send questions there or on the Facebook page. That works too. If you can send in questions, also Instagram, too. Same accounts as Twitter, Cindy Pod, and Lee W. Mallon. If you want to send in questions, I will answer them. And if they're really good, I might even make them into a whole episode. But this one's been sitting in the bag for about three weeks, and it's from our good friend, good listener, and new parent, Matt Morris. Congrats on your new bundle of joy. And his question is this. With the announcement of MLS D three, do you think this could potentially cause damage to the already existing leagues, or will this not cause any major issues off them? So let's look MLS D three. I know MLS just announced MLS next, but here is the article from NBC Sports. The first two takes. The first two takes, sorry, trying to battle with ad block, which is fun. The first two takes, I originally thought it was about the youth soccer development program that MLS is brewing called MLS Next, and they're planning for 24 new teams in 2022. But this is an actual D3 league. So the United States pyramid goes like this. MLS is at the top and pretty much the only... Higher ground is playing for the United States national team, men's and women's. For men, it's MOS. Then you drop down to USL League 1, USL League 2, which is where a couple of teams in Cincinnati, Dayton, are in. And then it goes further on down the pyramid. So this one would slide underneath USL League 2. And MOS will dive straight into the deep end of lower league soccer in the US of A. With the creation of a D3 league, according to the Athletics' Jeff Ruder and Pablo Marr. The league would be a step between MLS and its MLS Next Academy structure, says the report. So basically, from youth soccer on to you know, D3. With the intention to add independent clubs later, providing more minutes to young players against grown men with over half of MLS clubs fielding teams. So far, MOS already has 11 clubs with affiliates in USL Championship, which is Division 2, and another five in USL League 1, Division 3. So I was wrong. USL Championship, then League 1, then League 2. The only other Division 3 league is the NISA, the National Independent Soccer Association, which is headlined by a grassroots success stories, Chattanooga FC, and Detroit City FC, but just three years old. If you know your soccer, you know that Chattanooga FC and Detroit City are pretty darn ace. I mean, those are very strong programs. And when we had the Dayton Dynamo in town, well, the first year we saw Detroit City FC. And yeah, they just, they know how to build not only a strong team, but they have a wicked, loyal following behind them, too. Going through the article. USL also boasts USL League 2, but that is not a pro league. That's an amateur league. It's mostly college kids that are playing. If you think about baseball and college kids playing summer ball, like in the Prospect League or the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League, this is kind of like that except you know, there's no wooden bats. And you don't kick a wooden ball, I promise. It's It's soccer in the summer. USL League 2 is considered an unofficial Division 4 with the National Premier Soccer League. The New York Red Bulls' U23 and Portland Timbers' U23s are joined by several teams with USL or NASA affiliations. So this development in a vacuum could be a natural progression that fills a developmental hole for MOS. But also, it's curious because the MLS and USL, they're pretty tight. And in fact, it used to be USL was not affiliated with MLS. And then eventually, there grew a partnership, and they're part of the pyramid that feeds into MLS. Taken at its most vicarious, it could also be loosely read as Major League Soccer's bid to take down NISA or USL and then make its own Division Three. So, my take on it, MLS, I feel, wants to control soccer in the United States. In fact, when you're the top of the pyramid, I mean, who's really going to rival you in terms of that? So, I think for MLS, I don't know what their intentions are. I'm not really part of MLS. I'm just a guy that likes his local sports and trying to get a job in broadcasting. But I can tell you there's good and bad things to look at it. I think MOS eventually would like to just have their own system where they're running everything. They don't have to rely on other people to, you know, kind of help feed their own pyramid. So I think it could be potentially a way to wipe everyone out that opposes them and take control of United States soccer, which, you know, There's a lot of thoughts on that process. A lot of them aren't great. But my big hope is that there's more opportunities for these soccer players. Soccer is the global sport. I know you can say baseball is America's pastime, and I agree with that. But soccer is huge. And especially, you know, in the United States, men's national team, they're looking a little bit better. Hey, I mean, maybe. And the women's national team, well, I don't have to tell you, they kick butt and they are constantly gold medal winners. In fact, there's a news tidbit to talk about in just a little bit. So my thoughts are, yeah, MLS will probably use this to their advantage and just wipe out everyone that stands in their way. Will it happen right off the bat? No, because MLS has to you know actually build it. And yes, I know capital is probably on the side of MOS, you know, they've been around since the mid-90s. Whereas, you know, NISA we mentioned just 3 years old, but grassroots campaign. And I honestly think if we had more grassroots campaign stories, you know, it it'd be a lot better to follow through. You know, you don't want just corporate, you know, this and that running your teams. You want a good story about owners that care about their city and their supporters groups. So I do worry that it could possibly wipe everything out, but it'll take time and maybe, maybe there'll be more partnerships in the mix. So Matt Morris with the question from Alan's mailbag. I do want to dive into MLS next. Again, looking for 24 teams in 2022, this is what I thought Matt was talking about to begin with, not, you know, the actual Division Three thing. This is youth soccer, so a step to minor league soccer and then to MLS. This is for, you know, youth soccer to build up in the United States. I read somewhere, believe it was uh, the Ohio Valley Premier League's website, that over the past few years that... In America, half a million kids aren't getting an opportunity. They dropped out completely, which that's a shame. I mean, I know that sounds like chump change, but if you think about it, that's still a lot of kids. Half a million kids not getting a shot in youth soccer. So right now, the current membership includes 133 clubs, 598 teams, 11,000-plus players across U.S. and Canada, And features over 90% of the current youth national team player pools. So right now, there's a link to MLS Next member club and the founding members looking through. The Cincinnati United Premier Soccer Club down in the Queen City. Columbus Crew SC has one. FC Cincinnati's got their own team. I'm looking through. There's the Indiana Fire Academy, which I know in Indiana, but still part of it. Uh, MOS St. Louis has themselves a club. A lot of these clubs are, you know, with MLS teams. In fact, if you look through, there's a lot of you know shared names. Try to see if there's any other local teams. There's a Miami, but I'm pretty sure that's Florida, not Miami of Ohio. There was another one that I saw, Oakwood Soccer Club. There could be a lot of Oakwoods, but possibly Ohio maybe I don't know that'd be the Dayton area they were announced May 2020 and actually there's a list of cities right here. I mentioned the two in Cincinnati and the one in Columbus let's see if Oakwood is in Dayton. Glastonbury Connecticut so no I was wrong. hey can't blame me for trying trying to think about you know my hometowns and my area. You know, because someone's got to cover local sports. And one of the cats has to run into my podcasting desk. Great. <laughs> anyway, going back to Ohio, there's also the Internationals, which I think is Cleveland, Kings Hammer Soccer Club. That's Cincinnati, and that's USL League Two. More on them later. And you got Cincinnati United. They had a partnership, a Cincinnati United Premier Soccer Club, with Centerville. For a while. Don't know if that's still a thing. And then Centerville went with the crew, I think. So, there you go. There's your five teams in Ohio. And going through Indiana. There's the NAF Fire Academy. Kentucky. Javanon FC. Where they are from Louisville. And hey, soccer's growing big there. Louisville City. And racing Louisville for the women. So, there you go. A little bit on MOS next. Although the question was you know, about MLS D3. So thank you, Matt. And hopefully you f- listeners will send in some questions because I love answering questions. I feel like if people ask me questions, it's not just me talking for, you know, quite some time, but let's move on to the MLS teams in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. We'll start off with FC Cincinnati and the Queen City. And I don't have to tell you, the start of the season was pretty putrid. But last two road games, Cincinnati's found a little mojo. And no longer in last place in MLS Eastern Division. Currently, FC Cincinnati sits in 11th place with three wins, five losses, and a draw. And the Columbus crew currently sit in sixth place at 4-3-2. New England in the Eastern Conference on top at 7-1-2. That's wins, losses, and draws. Even though it says ties, it's draws. It's a soccer term. Followed by Orlando City, Philadelphia, Nashville, New York City. There's the crew and D.C. United. And there's the playoff line. Underneath it, CF Montreal, New York Red Bulls, Atlanta, FC Cincinnati, Miami. It's good to see them actually having a team after 10 years of just sitting on it. Toronto FC and Chicago Fire. The past two wins have been at Chicago and at Toronto. And both those teams combined two wins, 14 losses, four draws. You can make the argument that, yeah, FC Cincinnati should have won those games. But a win is a win is a win. The First match at Chicago on the 23rd. FC Cincinnati came away 1-0 winners as Chicago Fire. Who, by the way, have announced they are going back to the drawing board for their new logo. Just because the one that they replaced a classic logo. I don't know why you touch it. Maybe update it, sure. But don't replace the whole thing. It looks like you've done it in paint. Come on. My logo's better than that. and. I have no knowledge of Photoshop. I use GIMP. It's free. And then FC Cincinnati last night. Coming away 2-0 victors at Exploria Stadium in Orlando. Remember, the COVID thing is still going on. It does feel like, yes, we're getting back to normal in some sense. But in Canada, eh, not so much. So Toronto FC is playing in Florida. Just like the Raptors did, but the Raptors were in Tampa Bay and Toronto FC is currently playing in Orlando. Hopefully that changes soon. i like us to get back into, you know, a little bit of more normalcy. But the FC Cincinnati squad will now focus their attention this upcoming Saturday, the 3rd of July at Houston at BBVA Stadium. And for those in-market, you can watch it at FCCincinnati.com. Out-of-market ESPN+. Plus. Radio is ESPN 1530, or the iHeartRadio app. Or if you're in Cincinnati, you can just watch it on Star 64. So, I am glad that FC Cincinnati has a lot more options to watch it. And I have ESPN+, Plus, so, you know, when I have a free minute, which I have none, I can watch it. So, that'd be pretty cool. Back home... At Friday, July 9th at TQL Stadium against the Columbus Crew. The first Hell is Real battle. Very excited and definitely going to talk about that next week. But that's two weeks from now as FC Cincinnati will come back home. For the Columbus Crew, we'll be at Austin FC tonight. So you know what that means. The Anthony Precourt Bowl. Yay. Yay. And let me tell you how his team that he wanted to rip out of Columbus because Columbus doesn't sell right soccer. Arr, arr, arr. His team is two five and three. Two wins, five losses, three draws. And sitting in eleventh place out of thirteen teams in the West out of the playoff spot right now in nine matches. The tenth match will be tonight. So yeah. A lot of good that moving did you pre-court, but Never mind. So the preview reads like this for the crew. It's the second of a two-game road stint for the Black and Gold. They're looking to rebound from a 1-0 defeat at the Philadelphia Union. I believe Philadelphia was third place. We'll double-check the standings. Meanwhile, Austin FC came off a 2-0 loss to Minnesota United. Darn. I don't even... I'm not actively rooting against Austin FC or the... People of Austin, Texas, it's just pre-court left that bad of taste in people's mouths in Columbus. And this is coming from a guy that roots for both MOS teams. So the ultimate result will be a draw on all the hell is reels. So, you know, like I said, reason why is I've been a crew fan. I like following the crew and FC since now, you know, their rapid rise throughout. I never would have dreamed three seasons in, bam, MOS. So I root for both. So there you go. Notably, the expansion side has failed to score in six of its first nine MLS matches, which is the first expansion team in MLS history to fail to score more than half of their first 10 games, according to Opta. An expansion side has defeated a defending MLS champion only four times since 2015. The last time was 2018, with LAFC beating Toronto in 2018. And again, LAFC is pretty dynamite. So you know they're a good club. Yes, I know expansion team. You shouldn't expect the world, but you know again, pre-court he did Columbus, Ohio, dirty. And if no one bought them, they the crew wouldn't exist, and we'd have FC Cincinnati. It's just you know again. Nothing against Austin FC, nothing against the players or the coaching staff or the fans or the supporters groups. But, uh, yeah, take that, Anthony Precourt. So, the crew coming in off a 1-0 loss at Philadelphia, again, is is third place. I remember right, 5-2-4. Union are really good. It's a good club. And Columbus, defending champs, yeah, sixth place, but remember. It's a marathon, not a big sprint to first. I will say the crew, three wins and a draw at home, but one three and one away from Columbus. Whereas Austin, one draw at home, two five and two away. And again, two five and three. You hate to see it. So that's what the crew have brewing tonight. And we will probably talk about the result upcoming What I didn't mention, I mentioned the new name of the brand new crew stadium is Lower.com Field, which, yeah, a lot of people got a lot of enjoyment out of that. And, you know, FC Cincinnati TQL Stadium. eh, But there you go. So that will be on FS1 if you want to watch it tonight, June 27th at 8 p.m. Also on 97.1 The Fan, which... Being in Springfield tonight, I might have a shot to listen to a little bit of crew soccer and then lose the signal as I go back into Dayton. But never mind. So there you go. Columbus crew and FC Cincinnati, a two match winning streak for the Cincinnati boys and the crew. Lognis beat Anthony Precourt's dream of ripping out one of the original franchises from Columbus, Ohio. And now we're going to switch gears and talk about the women's soccer side and also a quick little tidbit about Rose Lavelle, you know, the queen of the Queen City. So this is Rose Lavelle's first Olympic team tryout, and she's on the squad. Definitely very excited for the Cincinnati, Ohio native. And she's going to be at the Tokyo Olympics with the United States women's soccer team. And she's geeking out over meeting amazing female athletes in Tokyo, Japan. Named to the 18-player U.S. women's national team Olympics roster. Ready to play in her first games and excited to meet the amazing female athletes. Also told Insider, she's obsessed with Simon Biles, you know, the amazing gymnast who doesn't get as much coverage as she really deserves. I mean, that lady can compete, and it's a shame, too. But we're talking about Rose Lavelle. Also, Katie Ledecky crushing it, too. You know, FC Cincinnati and folks in Cincinnati soccer, where are we with getting a... NWSL National Women's Soccer League team to Cincinnati. Where are we on that? I can think of a great place to play, TQL Stadium, you know, shared with FC Cincinnati, and I can think of a player you should be, you know, reaching out to, to say, "Hey, come back home and represent the pro team." Oh yeah, we're talking about her. But I digress. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Rose Lavelle. Great player and great representative of Cincinnati and part of the women's national team Olympic squad. Your 18 players are led by the head coach, Vlatko Andonovsky, with veteran stars Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, Carly Lloyd, all making the trip to Japan. And right now, Andonovsky. Picked players with more veteran presence and left a lot of younger players off the team. The two goalkeepers are Alyssa Nair and Adriana Franch. Defenders are Becky Sauerbrunn, Abby Dahlkemper, Kelly O'Hara, Emily Sonnet, Tierna Davidson, and Crystal Dunn. Your midfielders, there's Rose Lavelle representing Cincinnati, Ohio. Along with Julie Ertz, Lindsay Horan, Sam Muis, and Christy Mewis. And your forwards are veterans Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, and Christian Press with Tobin Heath. And that's your 18 going to Japan, looking for the gold medal in the Olympics. Now, if you wanted to go watch them live, you can't. Because Japan has said no one outside the country, and I think the limit is 10,000. My fiance, who doesn't talk about sports unless it's something, you know, she enjoys, which is hockey mainly. She mentioned that Japan is not going to sell alcohol during the Olympics at all. And if you think about it, you know, if you're drunk, you are not probably going to follow the uh, COVID restrictions. You no, know, things might be loosening up here in the United States and Ohio, but around the globe, around the globe and now this Delta ...part of the virus, the Delta variant of the virus. It's just... Mm. So, yeah. This podcaster... ...likes watching Rose Lavelle succeed. And... ...if you think about it... ...her experience in England with Manchester City... ...it's huge. Getting to go over to England to play... ...you know... ...with Manchester City for two seasons... ...in 16 appearances... One goal. She's now part of the OL Rain Squad, which is a professional women's soccer in Tacoma, Washington. Again, Cincinnati. Where are we at? Let's bring Rose back to Cincinnati. Sorry. Now, Rose Lavelle, I mentioned first Olympic team for her, but she's been part of national teams for the United States. 2013, U18, then. 2014 U-20, 2015 U-23, and now part of the women's national team. 55 appearances for Rose LaValle, 14 goals scored. Again, I love seeing the local folks here succeed, and Rose LaValle is definitely one of them, and that will take us to the WPSL, the former Dayton Dutch Lion. I actually got to broadcast her season there, and yeah. She's the real deal. We move to the WPSL, the Women's Professional Soccer League, in the Midwestern Conference. You have seven teams, and wow, what a logjam. And leading the way with six games in and six wins, the Cincinnati Sirens. Second place, FC Pride, which I believe is in Indiana. Lady Victory FC, 5-0-1. I believe that's Indianapolis. It's, you know, a reference to Victory City. Actually, I think it's Circle City, but it's the stand. Never mind. Fire and Ice, 4-1 and 2. That's wins, draws, losses. You know how most soccer teams have their records. Then you have the Dayton Dutch Lions, 2 wins, 3 draws, 4 losses. Columbus Eagles, 1 win, 1 draw, 7 losses. A tough go for them. And St. Louis Lions, 7 losses in 7 games. And their goal differential is at negative 29. The best is not the Sirens, although it's close, at plus 17. It's actually Lady Victories 18. And they are 5-1. and one, Five wins and a loss on the season. So let's talk a little bit more about both Cincinnati and Dayton. We'll start with the Sirens. John Vogue listed as the contact for the Sirens. And it looks like there are no stats here. Wonderful. But I can tell you, this franchise, past few years, have been strong. Now, normally, Motor City FC, they've been the team to beat, but they are not in the Midwestern Conference. In fact, looking through, they're not in the Northern Conference either. Which, if they're gone, that is a shame. They're not at the Lake Michigan Conference, which, by the way, I found out there's a Chicago Dutch Lions. There was a New York Dutch Lions, a Houston Dutch Lions, a Cincinnati Dutch Lions, who no longer exist, and Dayton, of course. And there's Chicago. And yeah, I don't see the uh, Motor City FCL Detroit. Like I said, they ran away with the last season, 2019. So that is a shame. But. Gets a chance for the Sirens to shine, and oh boy, have they shined. So, a little bit more about the Sirens. Hopefully we can actually find something on them on the WPSL website. Starting off the season with a win against their Dayton foes, the Dutch Lions, 3-0 at West Carrollton High School. Then beating Columbus Eagles at Grove City Christian, 4-0. Then hosting the same Eagle squad at Lakota West, 2-1. Beating Dayton again at Lakota West 3-1. Then taking down FC Pride at home 2-0. Taking down St. Louis Lions at home 5-0. And the next game is scheduled at Gurin Catholic High School. And that's Lady Victory awaiting the Sirens. And that's tonight at 7 o'clock. How'd I like plan this where the soccer most of the soccer matches are today? And uh we'll talk about them in the next go round. If you're wondering when the next home game is for the Sirens, go July 17th at Lakota West against Fire and Ice FC. That'll be the last one, second to last game, as the last match will be at Pride Performance Center against FC Pride. That's Cincinnati for you. And let's talk about the Dayton Dutch Lions. Nine matches in, two wins, three draws and four losses for our first-year head coach, Bradley Schluter. Schluter. There you go. Sorry, didn't mean to butcher your name there. Also an assistant coach with Centerville Elks Boys Soccer. The Dutch Lions started their year not with the 3-0 loss to Cincinnati, but with a 2-2 draw at the Pride Performance Center. Then fell to Cincinnati 3-0. Came back and drew at home against the Columbus Eagles 2-2. Another draw against Fire and Ice 1-1 at the Althoff Catholic High School at Fire and Ice SC. Again, I believe that's St. Louis. At the Tony Glavin Soccer Complex, Dayton pounds in their first win with a 6-1 decision over the non-Dutch Lions Lions, the St. Louis Lions. Dayton would then lose at Lakota West on the 16th of June, 3-1 to the Sirens. Coming back home three days later, pounding St. Louis once again at West Carrollton High School, 6-0. Dayton would then fall at Lady, excuse me, at home against Lady Victory FC four to one, and fell to Fire and Ice FC their last match, two to one. And the Dutch Lion Women do not play until July tenth, where they will host FC Pride, and that will be the last home match of the season. As Dayton will then face Columbus at Capital University's Bernalor Stadium, and then visit Lady Victory at Guren Catholic High School. So that is your look at both the women's teams in Cincinnati and the WPSL. Now we move on to USL League 2 back in men's action. In the Central Conference, the Great Lakes Division, Sid Van Drunen, good friend of mine and the head coach of the Dutch Lions. Tough start to the year. Nine matches in, nine losses, and a goal differential of negative 24. That's the lowest in the Great Lakes Leading the division is Kalamazoo FC, eight wins, one loss, three draws, and Kings Hammer, the team that took over the USL Two spot for Cincinnati and the Dutch Lions. Well, their first year: six wins, two losses, three draws. Very outstanding. Flint City five three and two. Grand Rapids three two and five. This is wins, losses, and draws. Oakland County in Michigan four three and two. Toledo Villa. Originally known as a, oh, what was it? Premier League. Something like that. Premier League of America, I believe. But Toledo Villa now in USL League Two. It's good to see them grow. They're 3 4 and 4. South Bend Lions 3 4 and 3. Fort Wayne FC 1 5 and 4. So yeah, Great Lakes has a lot of Midwest flavor. Although, if you're in the Great Lakes, you kind of expect that, wouldn't you? A lot of Michigan teams, a lot of Indiana teams, a lot of Ohio teams. By a lot, I mean three, and Michigan has four, Indiana has two. So yeah, lots. But I love the makeup of the Great Lakes Division, and I I am sorry that I haven't been able to talk about it. But then again, when you're off a month, you kind of can't. I feel like I I feel like I've done an injustice on my soccer coverage. It's just. With my Champion City Kings broadcasting and working with Dayton Dragons, I mean, July is, <laughs> how am I going to do this podcast in July? I'll find a way, but, oh, man. I Normally, well, 2019, I was the PA announcer, and I couldn't really do it this year because pack schedule, and I kind of didn't mention that, you know, I couldn't. So I, I I do apologize for that. I don't like it, and I don't like using the excuse of I'm busy, but I'm busy. So my good friend and former guest on this podcast, Chad Hollingsworth, he's now lighting up Dock Stadium with his voice. Also does the PA for Bellbrook Golden Eagles Women's Soccer, just down the road from me, actually. So good guy, and I'm glad he's taken over. He's a good announcer, but I... I, I I just feel like, you know, I, I don't know. So let's talk about Dayton and King's Hammer and not wallow in my you know, depression of not seeing the soccer as much as I like. Again, Dayton, negative 24 in the goal differential. Six goals scored, 30 allowed, and the last match went to Flint City 7-0 at Dock Stadium. So right now, your goal leaders, Vincent Stans, has four goals. And Alec Philippe, the right state Raider, with two. So two players getting six of the goals. Your assist leader, Stans, has one. Niccolo tosiki with one. And Henrik Eichenberger with one. Why does that name sound familiar? Eichenberger. Maybe that's a baseball name. but And it doesn't say where he's from. Excellent. So I'm glad I brought that up. So let's look at the goalkeepers. USL League 2 actually has stats. It's Scott Pengelly with 38 saves. He's been the only goalie. His goals allows average is at 2.43. And he has 38 saves on the year. Let's look at the game schedule for the Dayton Dutch Lions. Then we'll talk about the Kings Hammer. Nine matches in and five to go, two at home. And the next two games will be away from home sweet home as the Dutch Lions now turned our attention to Fort Wayne FC at Bishop Dwenger High School. And Wednesday, June 30th, another game tonight. <laughs> I swear I didn't plan this. I wanted to do it yesterday, but I just I didn't have the energy. And then Wednesday, June 30th to close out the month at King's Hammer at Xavier University. I love Xavier University's field. And I thought... When the same staff work, Dayton and Cincinnati Dutch Lions games. I love that field. And I like that USL League 2's back at it. Nothing against Norfolk Kentucky's field. That field is amazing. But you know, you're in Cincinnati. And technically, yeah, that's Cincinnati area, but shut up. You get what I'm saying. Friday, July the 2nd, Oakland County FC comes into town. Then a to visit the TCU school field and South Bend against the Lions. And then one more home game against Grand Rapids FC on July the tenth. Again, I do apologize. This is nine games in. There's only five matches left. The season started for the Dutch Lions with a two to one loss at home to Kings Hammer, followed up with a five to two loss at Toledo Villa FC, a five nil loss at home against South Bend, and a three nil loss against Kalamazoo, a one nil loss at Flint City at Kettering's Atwood Stadium. That's not. Kettering, Ohio, a 1-0 loss to Leoville at home, a 3-1 loss at Kalamazoo, a 3-2 loss at Oakland County, and then the 7-0 loss to Flint City at home. And reading the preview at the Flint City game, Coach Van Drunen was very happy with the progress. I mean, there's a couple blowouts in there, that 7-0 loss, yeah, but the Dutch Lions offense was starting to pick things up, scoring three goals in the last two matches, and then Flint City shut them out, So, forget about that game and work on improving at Fort Wayne FC. And Fort Wayne, I thought I mentioned them, but it's going to be the only matchup. And it's at, again, Bishop Dwenger High School at 6 tonight. So, there you go. I don't know if Fort Wayne FC streams their games, but it's worth looking at. And now let's talk about King's Hammer. 6-2-3, wins, losses, draws. Timothy Ennin has two goals, Rodrigo Robles with, excuse me, Rodrigo Robles-Granjara excuse me, Grinhera with two and Daniel Barlow with two. That try leads the team. Your assist leaders, Daniel Barlow has a whopping five and ahead of second place by four. The goalie in action, Jared Brown. 41 saves and a goals allowed average of a cool 1.25. And looking at the remaining schedule for the new USL2 Cincinnati team. Three matches left. Dayton next this Wednesday. And actually, three matches left. They're all at home. Weirdly enough, there's no address for the soccer field for the Dayton game. But Fort Wayne South Bend... It's at Victory Parkway. It doesn't really mean anything, just uh, something I noticed. Anyway, Dayton home, Dayton at Kings Hammer, rather, on June 30th, July 7th, a week from the Dayton Dutch Lions game, Fort Wayne FC in town, and July 11th, South Bend Lions in town. So three home matches. This is a team that started off with their 2-1 win at Dayton, fell to Kalamazoo in their first home match for the two, then beat Oakland County at Clawson Stadium 1-0. A scoreless draw against Flint City at home, followed by a 3-2 win at Grand Rapids FC at the Midwest United FC Soccer Complex. Wow, that was a lot of words. A scoreless draw against Toledo Villa at home. A 2-1 win at Flint City. A scoreless draw at South Bend. A 3 2 win at home against Oakland County, a 1 0 loss against Kalamazoo, and Toledo Villa suffered at the University of Toledo. A 4 1 Kings Hammer win, and that's why Kings Hammer having a good first year taking over for the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. And that's your USL 2 recap. We talk about the OVPL right now. Now, this is a league that I should be talking more about it's not that I don't it's just it just doesn't happen I apologize for that but if you're looking for good amateur soccer hence the word amateur this is the place for you this is a grassroots campaign to get more chances to those that you know they still love soccer maybe won't get into the soccer pyramid of the United States but they want to play also, amateur is very important, as if teams use the professional or semi-professional, that could ultimately damage you know, college eligibility, maybe even you know, professional eligibility out there. But just to tell you a little bit about the OVPL, it was created to benefit soccer players of all ages and genders. There are men's and women's teams, and we'll talk about both. Stats show that U.S. youth soccer participation has declined by half a million kids in the last five years. This is where that quote comes from. It comes full circle. A wide variety of reasons for this decline in participation, but the cost and travel are a big reason why people keep playing, quit playing. This is a low-cost, low-travel league where anybody can create a team and enter the league. The goal is to keep players playing locally so there's community support, and all the members of this league can showcase the talent in their community with the potential to represent the region on a national level, if desired. So, yeah, I I love this premise, and I love what the OVPL is doing, and I tell you, they have grown so much. it's, It's great to see. And I mean, it's really great to see the leagues are structured like this. It's a promotion and relegation table. So pro loyal, depending on the season of membership, each division will have a minimum of six teams and no more than 10. Each member club can put as many teams in the tiers as they want. And the only time they would be involved in a division together is through promotion and relegation in the tier right now. The tiers are senior league 11 versus 11, 18, to, you know, as old as you can. Players under the age of 18 but no younger than 16 may be eligible for participation based on the availability or the ability of the player. Rather, women's and youth divisions will be announced at a later date and participation is slated for 2020-2021, which, you know, we're in the 2021 season. And there's more about this. You can go to ovplsoccer.com. There's a good resources tab, and you can just look and see what's available there. But we're going to talk about the men's and women's side. We'll start with the women's. The one thing that Jiro chat popping up saying, hey, you want to talk? No, I just want to talk about the teams. So right now in the River Conference of the OVPL, you have the Cleveland Ambassadors. You might remember them in the WPSL once upon a time. The Cincinnati Saints, or the Cincy Saints SC. They play at Thomas More University in Kentucky. There's the Cincinnati Sirens. You might know them from WPSL. The Dayton Dutch Lions and the Ohio Galaxies joining forces to play at Dock Stadium. This is the Ohio Galaxies Dutch Lions FC. Ohio Galaxies, a good youth Soccer club. I thought they were based out of Xenia, which, you know, Xenia Dayton, that's not terrible. Ohio Premier in Plain City. That's a Columbus area team. Kings Hammer. They play a town and country in Kentucky, a wonderful soccer facility. And w- Wilder. Wilder? Wilder? It's one of those. In the Valley Conference, you have the Cincinnati Saints SC2, also a Thomas Moore. Cincinnati Sirens 2. Their home is listed as Fairfield, but I'm not sure if they play at Fairfield or Lakota West. There's Club Ohio. There's no site there, but I think Club Ohio's around Dayton. Croatia Juniors in Cleveland at Mentor High School. Empire FC in West Virginia at the Bridgeport Recreational Complex. And the Lexington Landsharks. You might know them as the very first team to join the OVPL at the Transylvania Athletic Complex. Here's my bad count impressionation. Ah, 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 Aren't you glad you stuck around for that? That's the women's side. And it looks like I don't have any standings. So they might be trying for next year. There are standings in the men's side. But again, river and valley conferences. You got a good scope of Ohio and not too much travel. I mean, a couple hours. That's it. You're not having to go. Across the globe, it's like, hey, we're playing California and we're from Dayton. You know, something like that. Now we look at the men's side. Conference standings and stats updated June 21st, so a couple days ago. In the River Division, you have the Evansville Legends. And these are very small numbers, so please bear with me. Five wins, one draw, one loss. Old Boys SC, uh, three and two. You have Norfolk, Kentucky FC, the Nitro, 3-0 and 2. Three wins, two losses. Cincinnati Saints, 2-1 and 1. The Holla FC, they play at Milford. Excuse me. Milford! And they are 2-1 and 2. Indy Saints in Indianapolis, 1-2 and 2. Cincy Soccer Club, 1-1 and 3. Long time amateur club where hey if you want to play soccer come play with us we represent cincinnati and now they're in the ovpl which is a nice fit kings hammer u23 only with one win thus far one win no losses no draws who's your fc one oh and three that's one win three losses and the lexington land sharks one win six losses in the valley division the cleveland force soccer club two wins and a loss OGDL FC, that's the Ohio Galaxies Dutch Lions FC, two wins. Croatia Juniors, one win, two draws, one loss. Club Ohio, one win and a draw. Blast FC in Columbus, one win, one draw. Century United, 0-2. Excuse me, that's two draws. Saints United, two draws and a loss. West Virginia Highlanders FC, one loss, one draw. Same with Ohio Premier and Cincinnati Swerve, two losses. Let's look at the teams. You have Cincy SC. I think they're a little bit everywhere. I thought they were around Evendale, but I'm not sure on that. Cincy Saints, again, at Thomas More. Evansville Legends in Indiana. Hopefully Evansville. Who's your FC in Indiana? That helps because, you know, Indiana, pretty big space. At Cardinal Ritter High School in Indianapolis, it's the Indy Saints. The Kings Hammer SC at Town & Country. Lexington Land Sharks. Norfolk, Kentucky, FC at Town & Country. I thought they would have been at NKU. Maybe that field's not available. And Old Boys in Indiana and Valhalla, I mentioned, Milford. In the Valley, you have Blast FC at Highland High School in Columbus. Century Unites in Pennsylvania, Cincinnati Swerve. They're kind of the brother to the sister of Cincinnati Saints. Excuse me, Sirens. I have no idea why I went Saints. I miss the Saints and the Dynamo. Cleveland Force at Lost Nation Sports Park. Why would you play at a place at Lost Nation? Be in danger of getting lost. Bo-do-ch. Croatia Juniors at Mentor. Ohio Galaxies. Not teamed up with the Dutch Lions in this logo, but I think they're at the dock. Ohio Premier in Plain City. Saints International Academy at Whitehall High School. Uh, is that in Columbus? I feel like that's in Columbus and the West Virginia Highlanders, the home not listed. That's OVPL for you. And they have their own podcast. Of course, you should listen to this one because, you know, this podcast covers Cincinnati Dayton sports no matter what it is. And now I'm not going to be able to find the podcast, the Grow the Game podcast. You can listen on the major platforms. I will probably be listening to it. Stop asking me. I will probably listen to it once I get done uploading this. But there's a form if you want membership in the OVPL. And I'd like to talk about the OVPL Give Pack program. Proceeds from each OVPL merchandise purchase will benefit a local charity. You can nominate a local organization to be highlighted and benefit from this program. Purchase some gear and help make an impact in a community. So let's learn more about that. I love a good cause. I love sharing a good cause. This store actually takes you back to the website. But if you hit shop, hey, now it's at the Give Back Program. Pay it forward. You pick the item. You make a payment. And then a minimum of 10% of the profits go to a charity. So right now – it looks like there's a lot of Ohio pre, Ohio Valley Premier League. It's not even that hard to say. I just stutter on my tongue. There's a black jersey. If you know what the Juventus jerseys look like, for where are they in Italy? It's kind of like that. It's thicker white stripes. It's a nice. It's a nice look. It's the Fieldhouse Foundation across the way, and. It's 45 bucks for $5 shipping. That's pretty reasonable. And this benefits the Fieldhouse Foundation in Zanesville, Ohio. And the white jersey, which is literally the reverse of the black jersey. Thicker black stripes, white uh, jersey. This goes to, it starts with the shoes based out of Ohio. and That's 10% as well. The scarves, which are black and white stripes and the Ohio Valley Premier League on them. Love that logo. This will provide meals for families through the Free Store Food Bank. They serve the tri-state region by providing meals to those in need. Scarves are 20 bucks, and because of COVID-19, I don't have any questions. I'm trying to do a podcast. Because of COVID, these scarves might take up to 4 weeks to get. But 20 bucks and $5 shipping, that helps out charities And three different ones, a black jersey, a white jersey, and a classic scarf. So support those foundations and support the OVPL. And that's soccer around the Cincinnati Dayton area. You know, during the summer around Kettering, see a lot of youth soccer still alive. And it's great to see that old game on the pitch alive and well. At this point, I'd love to tell you about the college soccer schedules for Wright State Dayton, but I don't have those. I can tell you that volleyball, Wright State and Dayton are going to play and they're going to co-host the Raider Flyer Classic at CJ McClin Gymnasium at Wright State and Frerichs at UD. So, yeah, and I mentioned how much I think of the world of both volleyball coaches. Uh, Tim Horseman. he's built himself quite the program at UD, very strong in the Atlantic 10. And if you can knock off UD, you have a shot to win that title. But not many teams have. So there you go. And Wright State building a strong program, I believe, 20-2 and previous year. And one of the losses – actually, was it two losses? No. Excuse me. One of the losses was to UD in the regular season, a game that was scheduled three days before it happened, and the Flyers won it in five, which is great to see Wright State and Dayton getting back together. You know? Every sport should play. And yes, I'm taking a bat to the hornet's nest. Normally, I don't on this podcast, but every sport should play. Wright State and Dayton, you're literally 20 minutes away. So there you go. That's my soapbox. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. But no soccer schedules yet, and it looks like we'll be heading back to normal. So call it soccer back in the fall. Can't wait to see Bojan Field and Alumni Field at Wright State and actually seeing the fall colors. You know how weird it was to see the leaves grow during the spring season? It's like, wait, we're going in reverse. But, hey, we had a season, so that was great. That will do it for this Soccer Sunday episode on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. This has been episode 215. Again, sorry for the delay, but I promise I'm here and the podcast isn't going anywhere. Feel free to send questions to Mowen's mailbag, Twitter, Instagram, Sunday Pod, or the Lee W. Mowen, or both, or on Facebook, Lee W. Mallon, that's me, or the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. It'd be great to answer questions. Again, if it's a really good question, I'll make an episode out of it. But until next episode, this has been the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Why would you listen to Dayton Radio when there's no local sports? Listen to this podcast, spread the word, and we'll talk to you again next time.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark Sindaypod.com, the official website of the local Cinday Sports Podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more.